Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you for what you're already doing this morning and the way that you're already speaking to us and the things that you're more than whispering inside of our heart and inside of our soul. God, I pray that you'd continue to speak. God, I pray that you would illuminate your word. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts so that as you're speaking, God, we would embrace it. We'd embrace your word and be changed by it. God, we need to become more like you. We're not even close. (laughs) We have so much far to go to be like you. And so I just pray even today that we would leave here a little bit more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So have you enjoyed the family series? It's been fun. It was fun to speak with Carrie the last two weeks. Um, And so today's message is the last one in the family series, and it's on parenting. And I believe this is really important. I guess I believe every message is important, but this one's super important. And I want to start. Um, I want to start my message with a story. <laughs> so this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me, and uh, I'm going to share it. And uh, it wasn't so bad sharing it first service. I was pretty nervous, but it's kind of funny. So um, when when I was a child. Um, my mom and dad always used to say to me, um, what you do reflects back on me. How you behave, how you treat others, how you, when you go to school, how you treat your teachers. What you do reflects back on me. And that, that principle, I guess, is really rooted in one of the commandments, which says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, because your, your parents might strangle you, and, and that it might go well with you in the land uh, that the Lord God is giving you. Deuteronomy 5.16. And this word honor is an interesting word because it literally means weight. And I don't know about you, but when I was a child, my parents had weight to them. So much so that if I went to school and misbehaved, like, oh yeah, like I had the fear of the Lord inside of me because of the weightiness. And my parents were, are and were wonderful. I have amazing parents, fantastic parents. But there was something about letting them down. There was something about disappointing them. And there was something about the, like the way they raised me to honor them. There was weightiness to them. So, um, when I was in second grade, I had a crush on this girl named Alicia Youth. And man, I was a smitten kitten. I, I was just so taken by this girl, and I used to write her little love notes all the time. And, and, it, and it just seemed like I couldn't really get her attention, okay? So, uh, I got this idea one day, and I think it was from watching a show on HBO, um, which, you know, we had cable, so just... push pause. If you have cable in your home, like pay attention to what your kids are watching, obviously, okay, because there's a lot of junk. Even in cartoons, there's a lot of junk, right? Right? Even like Princess Sophia, things like that, there's there's witchcraft in that. There's, seriously, like, anyway, so 
I used to watch HBO when my parents weren't watching, and there was a movie, I think it was like Porky's or something like that. It was this awful, awful movie, and uh, I got an idea from that movie on how to get her attention. So one day, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're sitting in class, and, and we're working on little assignments. We had dittos. You know what dittos are? I think I'm dating myself, right? You know the ditto machines? Right? And the handouts. So we had a little handouts. So we're working on them. And it was dead silent. And I wanted to get her attention. Okay? So, so I look over and she just wasn't paying attention. So I stood up on my chair. I turned around and I mooned her. <laughs> and the moment my drawers hit my knees, I knew I had made a mistake. <laughs> You know, you have like your little dialogue in, in my own little second grade mind. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I got her attention, but I get the, the other kids' attention and my teacher's attention. Oh, boy. Yes. So the wrath of my teacher came down upon me, and I went, got sent to the principal's office. Which you know when you go to the principal office, they're going to do what? And as I was walking to the principal's office, doing the walk of shame, knowing that doom had faced me, knowing that it wouldn't go well in the land, and that my days in the land might not be long any longer, I, and when, when, so my dad worked two jobs, so he kind of had, had long hours. And that made it even worse, because when I got home, there was that gap. And in that gap, it was like minutes, felt like hours. And I felt like the, the weight of, and you know what it was too? It wasn't about, yeah, I got spanked, right? And yeah, but I, I felt I let my dad down. And I loved my dad, and I broke his heart. And, and obviously, I got punished. And obviously, my parents took away HBO and uh, cable. Because somehow they knew, which in my mind, I couldn't believe they figured it out. Like, they, they just knew that it was something I had watched, right? You know, obviously. And so, um, here's the deal. My fear is that sense of weightiness, that honor that I felt and do feel towards my parents is being lost in our society. Because if you look at our culture and you look at our world and, and, and how messed up things are, why? Why aren't things going well in the land? You see, things aren't going well in the land because we as parents okay, are not raising up godly children anymore. We're giving our parents over to institutions and saying, hey, raise my kids. We're giving our children over to peers and saying, hey, disciple my children. We fill our lives with busyness and our, our minds and, and our hearts get latched on the things that pull us away. And we're not raising up godly children. There's a verse in, in Proverbs um, which says this, train up a child 
in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. What's the way? Now, I think that's when we had our little, when God gave a little prophetic word during worship. I think he was signaling out this, this thing, this principle that we're not raising up godly children to walk in the way because we don't know the way. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the way. And we discover the way through knowing him. We discover the way through diving in this and dissecting it and pouring our lives into this and eating it as though it's food so that it becomes who we are. And Jesus in his life modeled the way. He showed this the way. And the way was actually embedded within Jewish culture at that time. Can I push pause for a second? I want to show you a picture just to emphasize something. Can you put that picture up? This, um, when I was packing up my stuff to go to church, I saw this picture sitting on my counter. Now, I haven't seen this picture in two years. This picture was drawn by a young gal in my youth group who had come from an abusive family who um, was struggling with suicide and was just desperately lost. And if you look at this picture, what do you notice about this picture in, in her features? What do you notice? Look at her eyes. They're massive. Her pupils are massive. She's showing that she's seeking. She's showing that she's, she's searching and looking but doesn't know where to find where to go. And then look at the tears. The tears is because she's broken. Because she's been broken by life. She's been broken by a dysfunctional family. She doesn't know the way. And so we had an amazing opportunity to share with her the way in our ministry. And there's so many other kids like that. Some of them are in our own household. But others are out in the schools right now. And, and out on the beach right now and hanging with their friends and they're lost. That's why this is important. That's why this might be the most important message I ever preach. Because you know what? I don't want my Maddie to draw a picture like that and say, hey, Daddy, this is me. Okay, you can take it down. So it's our job as parents to train our child or children up in the way. Now, what's the way? What's the way of the master? What's the way of Jesus? And we discover the way of Jesus through looking at his life, but also I did a little research into Jewish culture, and I, I discovered that there were three milestones. There were three spiritual milestones that a child would progress through from birth to the age 30, that in passing through and walking and achieving these milestones, you would bring honor to your family. You would bring honor to your parents. 
Now, the first milestone, and as we talk about these milestones, I want you to catch this, that I think there are spiritual principles embedded within these milestones that are essential for us to live out. Because in the words of Pastor Mark, he says this all the time, we can't ask somebody to do something we haven't first done ourselves, or we're not willing to do ourselves, okay? So if we're not walking in the way ourselves, how can we say, hey, kids, come alongside, right? So we're going to learn how to walk in the way so we can show our kids how to walk in the way. Okay, so the first step, the, the first milestone in the life of a young Jewish child, and Jewish boy, because this one you'll see, was circumcision. Okay, now you're thinking, saying, whoa, how does this relate to me? Isn't it too late for that? Or... Circumcision was an outward sign of a spiritual reality that the Jewish people were the people of God. And every Jewish boy was to be circumcised at eight days. Jesus, we read in Luke chapter 2, was also circumcised. And it was a symbol that you are in a covenant relationship with God that you are set apart from the world, that you are different than just anybody out in the world. You are God's very own. Now, how does that relate to us? This, is, this gets me so fired up. I'm so feisty on this right now. Listen, when I talk to young people, my age or younger, okay, because I'm not that old, I'm 37. Those in their 30s and 20s and in their teens... Do you know why they don't want to come to church? Religion. Religion. They have not seen the real deal. They've seen religion. And it breaks them. And it, and it jades them. And they feel like they want nothing to do with it. Because young people have this hypocrisy meter. And it goes off when they see religion. You see, the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy tells the Jewish people, it's not about physical circumcision. It's about circumcision of the heart. You see, there were, God delivered the Israelites from slavery, gave them the law, basically put some parameters on how they should live so that they could represent him to the world, and show what he's like. And there was a man named Moses who was kind of like a pastor, okay? And he delivered this word, and he manifested uh, the, the power of God, or God worked through him to, with mighty wonders. And one day while Moses was gone, okay, as soon as the pastor left the room, they stepped back into the world. And they threw this big party, and they took all their gold, and they made golden calves, and they said, hey, look, look at these golden calves. They are who have, these golden calves have delivered us from slavery. They're our gods. That's like a Christian who goes to church on Sunday and then lives a completely different way the rest of the week. You know, there's this story. I love this story. I love this story. Alexander the Great, one of the greatest military generals in all of history. One day he was walking 
and they were in the midst of this battle, and he's walking along the, the, the battle lines, and he comes across a soldier who is supposed to be on watch. Now, in their culture, if, if a soldier would, would fall asleep on watch, then they would be executed right on the spot because it was, you know, an atrocious crime. And so the soldier was asleep, and Alexander's men went up to him, and he shook him. He woke him up. And he said to, he said to the soldier, stand up. And so the soldier stood up, and he looked him in the eye. He said, what is your name? And the soldier said, Alexander. And Alexander the Great said to him again, what is your name? And the soldier said, Alexander. And he said, what is your name? Alexander. And then Alexander said, either change your name or change your ways. That's weighty. And so, listen, God has put his name upon us. And we represent him. And our young, you can put that picture back up. Our young people need to see Jesus, not religion. They need to see lifestyle, not events. They need the real deal. They need us to live out our faith. They need us to consecrate our hearts and ourselves and give ourselves over to following Jesus. That is the most for them to see what it looks like to be a Christian. I mean, I could, we could just end it right here. But that's not it. There's more. Do you get that? Now listen, here... Take this too. There's, there's grace too. There's, there's, God enables us to do this. Because I know there's some of you who have tried and have struggled and aren't walking that out now, but maybe have walked it out in the past. There's grace for you that God empowers us and enables us and gives us the ability to walk it out and to really truly live a Christian life and to show our kids what that looks like. Now, the second... The second uh, milestone was the bar mitzvah. And the word bar means son, and mitzvah means commandment. And if it was a, a female, it would be a bat mitzvah. Bat is daughter, and then mitzvah is commandment. And this was a ceremony that was held when a child, if it was a boy, turned 13, or if a girl, turned 12. And this ceremony was a symbolic gesture, um, or even more than a symbolic gesture, a reality that this child was now becoming a man or a woman. And there was a ceremony, and in the ceremony, um, just to summarize what the boy was saying, he's saying, today I'm becoming my father. Today, I'm becoming my father. I'm, I am a man. Now, we know a 13-year-old isn't a full man yet, but they're becoming their father. And in that culture, it also meant this. It meant that they were now responsible for their own actions, that their sins, that their parents weren't judged for their sins. Because up until the age 13, if you were 12 and a boy, then your sins were counted against your father. And hence the weightiness. Hence the what you do reflects back on me. That was a reality. 
okay? And then uh, in the ceremony, the father would actually stand up and say a prayer of thanks that the sins were no longer against him and against his son. (laughs) Anyway, now, at the same time, the 13-year-old boy would then come alongside his father and learn the family business. Now, when Jesus was a young boy, it says that he was hanging out in the temple and he was teaching and interacting with the scribes. And then his parents didn't know he was there and they went back to find him. What did Jesus say to to his parents? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Okay. Now, that was at the age of 13. What does this mean for us? We need to disciple our kids. We need to take every opportunity we have to pour into them and have them walk alongside us so that they can learn how to be a Christian. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's six, yes. Chapter six, God gives some instructions to this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart. That's that consecrated heart piece, uh, that, that circumcised heart. And with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today, you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals before your eyes. Remember back in the 80s, the, the, the little claw haircut with the little thing? In Rhode Island, we used to call it the Cranston Claw, Right? And, and, and the, the girl's hair was like dangling down before their eyes. Like, that's what he's saying, like God's word dangling before your eyes. We need to disciple our kids. Because if we don't disciple them, who will? Amen. This world will disciple them. Their friends will disciple them. We need to instill God's word in them. And to do that, we need to know God's word. We need to fill ourselves with it and understand it. So we need to be discipled ourselves so that we can disciple them. So not only do we need to give our whole heart and our whole life over to Jesus, we need to learn the way ourselves and how to follow him so that we can teach our kids that way and show it and show them what it looks like. Show them the real deal. Now I want to go to this last one because I, honestly I think this might even be the most important thing. The third milestone was something called the adoption ceremony. This is something that I didn't know until studying for this sermon. Now, when Jesus was baptized, okay, you have him going to the Jordan River. He's at the age of 30. We have this scenario. Jesus gets in the water. The Holy Spirit comes down as a dove and comes upon him, and there's a voice that says, comes from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, what was that all about? You see, when a man turns the age of 30, they are now their father. And there's a ceremony called the heuothesia. 
And in this ceremony, a father would place his hand on the head of his son and pray a, pray a prayer. And he would proclaim in public, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he would empower his son to now be his representative. He would empower and give him authority to live out his life in the way that his father did. You have spiritual authority. And we need to claim our children for the Lord and do spiritual battle for them and exercise our spiritual authority for our kids. Because there's a battle for our children. And it's a spiritual battle. It, it's truly a spiritual battle. My daughter, Maddie, is very, very spiritually sensitive. Like, extremely spiritually sensitive. There was one time when we went, we were looking at houses to buy, and we went and we looked at this one house. And we, we were walking, you know, getting a tour in the house, and we went in the basement. In the basement, there was this little fireplace. And in the fireplace, there was this weird kind of little bundle of something. And then I looked, and there was a, there was a, a pentagram above the fireplace. And then I got the heebie-jeebies. You ever get the spiritual heebie-jeebies? You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, you just feel like the, the spiritual funk. So I felt the f spiritual funk. I'm like, oh, we got to get out of here. And Maddie was with me. Maddie is super spiritually sensitive. She used to talk to Jesus when she was in her crib. Like she'd have conversations with Jesus. And so <clears throat> we, we left, we, we get out of the, the basement and we get outside. And Maddie's like acting all strange. And next thing you know, she starts throwing up. And it's just, I could tell whatever was down there latched onto her, right? And so I claimed spiritual authority over that, and, and then she was fine. Listen, it's a spiritual battle for your kids. And God has given you authority to cast out demons. He has given you authority to wage spiritual battle for your children. And if you don't believe that's true, that there's a spiritual battle... Just watch television. Watch, go outside and, and walk the streets of Laconia. You'll see evil. You'll see Satan at work. And we have authority. And we have power. And we need to exercise that power. And we need to put a stake in the ground and claim our children for the Lord. And then as they mature, we need to pray over them and transfer a spiritual authority to them. It's part of our calling. You know, in, in Greek, there's three different words for, for a child. There's technion, which is infant. There's technon, which is child. And there's huias, which is son of authority or son. Son. And as Christians, we progress through these phases. And we start out when we become a new believer as, a, as an infant as a tech neon. And we need to mature. We need to grow in our faith. Not just for our sake, but for the sake of our children. And we need to go from being a tech neon to a tech don to, to a huias. To receive the power of the Holy Spirit and to function in the power of that. Yes. And to, to show that. Back to, 
our kids need to see the real deal. They need to see Jesus. And you have his presence inside of you. Would you allow him to be Lord of your life? Would you follow him? Would you walk in his way? Would you allow him to strengthen you with the presence of his spirit so that you can follow him all the days of your life? And then you can call your children alongside of you to walk in the way, to learn to honor so that it might go well in the land. Is that the life you want for you and your children? That's the life I want for me and my children. Listen, I've, cho- I've already chosen who I'm going to serve. And I'll put my life on that. And he's calling us to do the same because anything else is death. If that's you and you want that and you haven't chosen that, stand up. Let's stand together. Let's claim that. Let's claim that right now. If that's you and you want that for your kids, stand up. Let's claim this for our kids. Let's claim authority right now that we're taking authority for our children. We're taking authority in the name of Jesus for our lives, that we are followers of Jesus, that we are followers of the way, and the enemy no longer has a way in our lives, that God, you have called us, God, that you have appointed us for this day to put a stake in the ground and say, our children are yours. God, and we want to steward them. We want to pour into them. We want to disciple them. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. God, that you would give us knowledge. God, that you would give us the courage to function in the strength and the spiritual unction that you have given us, Lord God. God, just galvanize it in our hearts. God, circumcise our hearts, God. Teach us your way that we might walk in your truth. God, teach us your path that we might follow you all the days of our life. God, we contend for our children. God, we contend for those who have walked away. God, who have wandered out in the wilderness, who are being eaten by wolves, Lord God, who are in the enemy's den. God, we, we lay hold of them and we in the spiritual realm and we bring them back to you, Lord God. And we ask that your spirit, even right now, would come upon them and would fill them, God would show them, God, the truth that would illuminate the way, the truth, and the life. God, would you resurrect them? God, would you resurrect those ashes that are on the ground of the vineyard? God, would you breathe new life into them? God, would you consecrate their hearts and set them apart as your children? Lord God, we are your people, Lord God, and we want to follow you, God, and we want our children to do the same. God, empower us. You already have. May we function in that power as their parents. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 